Uh, hello? Hey, Taryn. It's me, Isaac. Uh, you know, childhood friend, youth theater. We went to high school together. We did a podcast not too long ago. I'm sorry, uh, who? Wow, he really lost it. Alzheimer's kicked in early. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be your legal guardian. Hey, what? I don't need no legal guardian. I'm still in my 20s. I think. Well, unfortunately, we've gotten complaints from the community and they're concerned for your safety. Uh, early dementia can be rough, but I'll help you through it. Wait, no, I don't need any help. What is going on here? Who are you? Who are all these people? We're gonna put you in a nice home, okay? Uh, just take him away, boys. Take your hands off me, hooligans! I don't know who you are or what you think you're doing. I demand to see a lawyer. I put a curse on the... Uh, a vex. A hex. I, I will have my revenge. You... Curses. Okay, now that Terran's gone, let's see what he's got. Hmm, Alright, let's see here. Huh. Six copies of The Lighthouse, really? Oh, a steelbook edition, too. Hmm, nice. Call of Juarez, the cartel collector's edition? I, you know, I knew he secretly liked that. A notebook filled with praise the sun over and over. God. Pacific Rim Jaeger figure, nice, okay. Oh, God, my missing poor shot. <laughs> Good thing I found this right before we hit 2K downloads and he released that to the fans. Ooh. Hmm. Wait, what's... What's this? Wait, a check? For full rights to the good, the bad, and the boys podcast. What? From who? No. Sierra Burgess. No. No. No, this can't be. No. Oh god, I've gone too far. Hello, hello? rolling we're back i think we're rolling i think we are indeed hello everyone welcome back to the good the bad and the boys podcast uh now almost relevant we are your hosts i'm taryn i'm isaac and we are a very caring podcast yeah we're we care we're, a lot we're here today because we care care a lot actually we started this podcast because caring is our job we care about that's right what our listeners sometimes plural uh, watch and, and experience, you know, on a, on a daily basis, uh, the, right. the, the entertainment they consume. Just for you. Because caring is our We're job. Bringing our opinions to you. <laughs> we share. And our research, our vast amount of research. Yeah, this is a lore channel. Vast amount after of opinions. All. <laughs> yes. Lots of our, research. Our infinite knowledge of cinema. We're bringing it to you. Do we share we our thoughts on, on entertainment because we're like closet narcissists and theater children who feel a driving need to just... <laughs> For attention? No, of course not. We wouldn't start a podcast for that reason. No, no, why would no. <laughs> no, no. We no, do it because we care. Definitely not. Yeah, and that's right. And uh, that's not the... because we're a bunch of nerds. Fucking right. nerds. You know, just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh... But we're here today because a certain movie we watched made us care. Not about the movie, but <laughs> about other things. <laughs> but this week we watched a movie called I Care A Lot, came out last year, I think at some festivals, the internet festivals, because mm. we're mid-apocalypse, what a treat, <laughs> but it was Sorry, written that was. and directed by Jake Blakeson, stars Rosamund Pike, mm -hmm. who you guys may know from Gone Girl. Rosamund Pike. Yep, she was in, uh, she's in that 2005 Pride and, and Prejudice. James Bond? Yeah, she's a Bond girl. What Die is it? Another Day? Die Another Day. What? Yeah, she's been all over the place. I was With a rapier? <laughs> Is that the one with the rapier? I think so, yeah. That's <laughs> nice, with the, the Bond yeah, sword fight? Yeah, that's her. her <laughs> it's fighting the main guy who, yeah, does fencing, and then I guess she also took that up as well. It wouldn't be oh, a Bond movie without fencing. <laughs> I guess it wouldn't be that Bond movie without fencing. No. But, yeah, she's a Bond girl. She's in Pride and Prejudice. She is uh, mm. notoriously nefarious in Gone Girl. That was a really good movie mm. starring her. Okay. Well, she was in. She was... She's an English actress. She went to school at Oxford, I think studying like English literature or something. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Smart cookie. Smart, very talented actress. Uh, I don't know if I've seen a performance of hers yeah. in something I didn't like. 
which as we'll discuss in this right, movie. Even in this one. Yeah, no matter to, how to bad honest, the movie gets, even in this. she kills it. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, she carries it. Uh, if it was anyone else, uh, probably wouldn't do as well, but um, she made it uh, interesting enough to watch. <laughs> it was interesting so, to, yes. yeah, to watch her. <laughs> Not her character, but her. <laughs> so it stars Rosamund yeah, Pike. Right, right. Who else we got? We got Peter Dinklage, uh, who you guys Peter may know Dinklage, famously from Pixels. And when he gave a voiceover <laughs> performance for the video game Destiny that was so bad, he literally got replaced by Nolan North. They got Nolan North <laughs> to re-record wow. all his lines, and they just replaced oh him and God. pretended he didn't exist, <laughs> his performance. That, that is unfortunate. Yeah, they really they cut him out. I don't know. Peter Dinklage is very hit or miss. Like, if it's a good property, or like he, if he knows it's good, he'll really give it its all. Those first and only six seasons of Game of Thrones absolutely kills it <laughs> that like speech he gives does, at his yeah. trial. it was weird hearing him with an american accent in this one i was like oh yeah that's right he's <laughs> oh yeah it's been he's so american. long since i've heard him speak normally <laughs> yeah uh yeah yeah and i think he, he did give an effort he gave more of an effort than i thought he would give in a movie like this in case you guys were wondering uh, it's not good the movie yeah <laughs> No, no, it's her. It's her. Definitely our bad. It's yeah, it's for, for sure the bad for the week. <laughs> As you could tell with our WandaVision episode. Yeah, this week. that's yeah. <laughs> but I care a lot. It was directed by Jake Blakeson, who he's done a few films. Um, I was I haven't seen any of them. He did two like two other known properties and a mini series starring Kit Harrington plays Jon Snow. Uh, he had a two thousand mm. my two thousand nine oh, nice. movie called The Disappearance of Alice Creed, which was his best reviewed one. Uh, that one was also kind of like a crime thriller about like a kidnapped woman and two kidnappers who are trying to ransom her off. And like her, hmm. I don't know, I think she like forms a romance with one of them and they like work together to dupe the other one and, and get away. I forget. But uh, nice. I read reviews for that one. So it was pretty smart. It's pretty, pretty thrilling. He's a very twisty, turny kind yeah. of director. He's, he's like, he's like a less Shyamalan-y M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> he likes movies with okay. some twists. Is the UK version of M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, pretty much. He did a 2017 miniseries called Gunpowder. That was the one with Kit Harrington in it. Um, that one received mostly positive reviews. The reviews for Gunpowder were pretty entertaining, actually, because I guess it was a really violent show, but it was like it was like a nice. it was like a 9:30 p.m. kind of show. So some of the boomers were still awake, uh, and all of the <laughs> bad reviews about Gunpowder are like it's too violent and scary, and it's just no need for that. <laughs> And he's like, this is literally what happened during this time period. Because I guess it's, like is, a, it's a historical. I, I don't know what you want. From I don't know what, what you is... want. <laughs> <laughs> Take it up with uh, your dead ancestors. Yeah, dad. for real. <laughs> and then did you ever see uh, 2016's The Fifth Wave? Is that one about aliens? Uh, I did not. No. no. The Fifth that, Wave. No. That was kind of the worst reviewed one up until now. <laughs> the, the worst reviewed oh, okay. one. Um, yeah, it was just like a predictable alien action movie. It was kind of whatever. Um, but then now here we are, 2020. He releases I Care A Lot. And a brief synopsis for that one. A dark comedy. Dark comedy, which uh, you didn't watch any of the trailers <laughs> before you watched the movie, right? <laughs> and, yeah. I watched some trailers. That's what made me want to watch the movie. It's, it was number one on Netflix last week. Um, so it just recently came to Netflix. It was number one. The trailer yeah, certainly it's, makes it's definitely, it. Yeah, it's definitely propped up on the site. Too. Yeah, they, they always have the number one on Netflix, and so <laughs> conveniently, yeah, the it's Netflix number one, one 10. <laughs> is always a Netflix original movie. Of course, as as it should be. As it, yeah, that's uh, who knows. No bias there on the. You, know, you gotta most kinda kiss your own ass, I guess, a little bit. <laughs> you old, old Netflix circle jerk. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I I care a lot, uh, and you. I watched the trailer for the movie, you know, the little ad that runs on like the banner. And it is certainly the ad, the trailer is edited like it is a dark comedy. It was edited like a little like, you know, a little wittier and a little brighter than even something like like Uncut Gems was. And I was like, oh, kind of set up that. Yeah. Uncut Gems. I mean, discounted Uncut Gems Netflix version of it. <laughs> it's a movie about um, she's a scammer. She is like a fake guardian so like a conservator for <laughs> old people and she she has this whole little little ring that she runs she's got like a corrupt doctor who writes fake notes that say that old people can't take care of themselves um and that they have like an emergency hearing and then she convinces a judge to give her like full control over their lives 
And then she dumps them off in a senior home, sells all their stuff, and that's where she makes the money, baby. And the, oh, yeah. the movie picks up when she, she finds what they call a cherry, which is an old lady with no known contacts and good health and a lot of, a lot of money. So she does her little scheme thing. She gets her in the home. She gets her house. She gets everything. And then the movie. Which is uh, also Diane Weist, who is a notable 80s actor, too. Yeah, uh, Academy Award winning, right? I, I knew I recognized her from somewhere. It was Lost Boys. <laughs> I think she was in ah. as the mom. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the mom from Lost Boys. That's cool. <laughs> and she's she's done quite a bit. It was kind of cool to see her. A little wasted in this movie. Well, it wasn't good to see. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not good to see her in this movie, but it's uh, it's good to see her that she's still doing her acting career. Maybe yeah, not the best. But hey, she's number one on Netflix. Number one, that. she's back, oh, okay. baby. Number one on Netflix. She's back. <laughs> no bias. Netflix number one. Uh, no, getting no bias ripped to shreds on social media. Number one on Netflix, baby. God. Everyone's favorite. Yeah, I care a lot. So yeah, favorite. so Diane Wheaton plays a lady uh, who Marla Grayson, uh, Rosamund Pike's character, sticks in a senior home and tries to do her scam thing on. We find out that that old lady is the mother of a Russian mafia boss. And then shenanigans ensue. <laughs> Elixir. Elixir. So that's that's the premise of the movie. And I think it's actually a really good premise. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it really is. Um, it's it's interesting. And it is interesting to watch, but not in the... Not in the ways you would not you would want. in like the entertaining <laughs> uh, kind of way. It's like watching a car no. crash between <laughs> a person who tortures old people <laughs> and a human trafficker. It's like you, you don't really <laughs> want it to go any of their ways, but yeah, it does go good for both of them. Yeah, and I I don't know. It's it's a movie that blends genres in a way that it doesn't really work. For either genre. Uh, and, and like we said, <laughs> you didn't watch the trailer for this movie. The trailer does make it seem like a dark comedy. This is a very unexplored sort of yeah. topic, like senior abuse, which unfortunately is something that happens to a lot of people and is uh, a very actually very easy to pull off, <laughs> it seems, for, for these fake conservators <laughs> like this and just sort of the system as a whole. And it's not something we see in movies a lot, so it's a very interesting premise. Yeah, yeah, it's different performances were great but it's it's not a dark comedy despite it looking like one like what it's not at all you, when you watch this movie what kind of tone did you get from it oh i i was thinking a whole like godfather mobster uh thriller uh, <laughs> of i <laughs> like it's a very high edge it's like uncut gems but like without the humor it's not, there's no there's no comedy uh, whatsoever all dark it. no comedy i didn't laugh once <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> It was weird, just the the yeah the way it was paced. You know, actually looking back, I see where they wanted to try to fit in some of those comedy bits, but it was played in such a way that was just very subtle and just there was no uh, comedic uh, timing to any of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it, it felt like a drama, like a thriller drama. It felt like um, yeah, like an unempathetic <laughs> drama. Yeah, unempathetic. You had no uh, protagonist whatsoever. There was no protagonist. The entire. Yeah, you you feel like they're getting their comeuppance, both of them, and it's great to watch. Um, and I yeah, I don't understand who am I? I'm supposed to sympathize the entire time. There's really, I guess you're supposed to sympathize with Pike's character, but again, it establishes that she is scamming these poor elderly she people is. and i don't know if that's supposed to be a comedy bit of itself yeah that was just played super straight i i don't know i don't i don't get uh, it i guess we'll, we'll we'll go into what we liked first i guess because that'll be a very brief yeah. segment that we could talk about why this movie fails at literally everything it attempts and then maybe how we can make it better was there yeah was there anything you liked <laughs> Uh well again the performance is great. I I really don't think there was a single performance I didn't like. I agree with that. Um nothing that I really cringed at or anything. They really just they played it perfectly. So it's definitely not the actor's fault for sure. <laughs> I I honestly kind of yeah again uh, I do like the originality of the premise. But if they wanted me to feel any type of way towards a single character again I I couldn't go there because they're both scummy people. They are. And you can't sympathize with any of them. Um, but, yeah, again, I it's entertaining enough to watch. It's not like a boring, cringy movie. Like, I, I was 
thoroughly invested in it because it was just weird. It was and just a, weird. A, an interesting premise. Did you care about what happened to these characters, like, at all? <laughs> like, any of them? Not at the end, no. <laughs> I, I thought it was perfect. I was like, great. Everyone's getting their justice, and that's all that matters at that point, and I just don't care, and I just wasted my time watching this because I don't care about any when of I them. I messaged you earlier this week, I was like, Isaac, I got a fun movie for us to watch. It's brand new on Netflix. <laughs> talk about it on the podcast oh, number one what could go wrong <laughs> have you just learned to dread that message from Taryn? oh yeah, yeah you know, a Isaac, bit, you know have you ever a nice waste of two hours have you ever played but you know all of juarez the cartel <laughs> um, have you ever uh call of what seen <laughs> call of who howard the duck <laughs> i have seen that i have faced many rings of hell with you but uh <laughs> not as many as you have endured over this time doing this podcast but yes, I I understand your pain, and I'm starting to realize the the horridness of I'm I am yeah I am so of, inclined of to agree with you <laughs> on your your enjoyments of this movie. I think the cast <laughs> yeah. did great. Rosamund Pike especially killed it as the leading lady. Yeah. She is she scary. Yeah. in this movie, she is like she is scary she is and sp- very unlikable. Yeah, hateable. So great job. <laughs> um, and she she's uh, nominated hateable. for a Golden Globe for this performance. I went on this. That okay. I went on this movie's you know IMDb. Sure. And I saw, you know, like a thirty-two percent aggregate review score. Like people don't like this movie. And then right under that, I saw uh, one Golden Globe nomination. I was like, who? How the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what? How did that happen? How the how do we get here? Holy shit! Uh, but yeah, it was Rosamund Pike's performance, and that I that I could get behind. I think, especially with the script that she was oh, given, yeah. for what the movie wanted the character she to be, nailed with it. Yeah, nailed it for sure. She did great. And there wasn't a performance I, I disliked. Really, all of them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I I think I'm yeah starting to realize that, yeah, maybe Alexi was a little bit more sympathetic with his mom. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Being and, and therein uh, lies... It's really the only sympathized the, person. The main problem with the movie is who do you who do you empathize with? Who is the protagonist? And, and this, you know, call, brings to mind uh, the concept of an anti-hero. In many interviews with... Uh, that she's done, you know, for the movie, Rosamund Pike, uh, like Kelly mm-hmm. Clarkson show, a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, people who do a better job getting guests on their podcast than us. Uh, she talks, she describes Marla Grayson as an anti-hero, someone you, you, uh, you know, they're the protagonist, but they, they have less than heroic qualities. And when you, when you think of anti-heroes, what kind of people come to mind for you? Anti-heroes, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Deadpool, mm-hmm. great example. Um, probably the the ultimate anti-hero himself. Uh, you know, even like um, Jason Todd, Red Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I'm not thinking of all these like superheroes. It's just straight superheroes. <laughs> uh, John Wick was a good John one, Wick is I a guess. Perfect uh, one. The video you sent me, yeah, very perfect one. So yeah, kind of those uh, those people with with flaws. Yeah, less than heroic. They can't really be considered a righteous figure, but. They do deliver justice in their own unrighteous ways, I guess. Yeah, like so, kind of a wrong thing for the right reason, kind of that kind of hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you say separates an antihero from a villain? It, it is a person who has been elevated um, with, you know, with with certain power, with with something that the hero has to try to match up and meet. Yes, and. Um, yeah, there's just someone you, you you just don't like, and <laughs> guess what? The, the main characters, you don't like them at all. They're they're fucking villains. They're the villain, right? You want them to lose. They're, they are the antagonists. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's nothing for her to yeah to just fight against. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I, I would agree with you. I especially want to talk about the point you said where the villain they have some sort of power over the hero. There's something for the protagonist to overcome. Uh, the villain is not, mm-hmm. you know, menacing or, or you know, um, a threat, a villain even, if they're just brushed aside so easily by the hero. Um, right. That video that I sent you about John Wick, it's a video on YouTube. It's by a, a YouTuber called Savage Books. He, um, he does a video on John Wick called... It's a great explanation. Yeah, yeah how, to, how to write a terrifying protagonist. And... Marla Grayson just sort of reminded me as like a failed John Wick concept just because John Wick is such a unique Yeah, just just not even close. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Like a unique character. Uh the things he discusses in this video is um making the hero scarier than the villains, 
why it's a dangerous concept and why it's very hard to pull off. Um, and, you know, a traditional mm-hmm. heroic, you know, story arc, character arc for a protagonist, they have, you know, the, the rules they live by, their, their notion, their perspective on the world. The villain's job is to, is to challenge that. Mm-hmm. And the villain, you know, they're only challenged if the villain is, you know, superior to them and they have to change in order to, to overcome that villain. And not all stories have to be, they have to change to do it. Some of them could be like a test of that, that perspective the hero has. A hero like that that comes to mind would be like Captain America. He's very grounded in his beliefs. And yeah. all the stories with him are, are things challenging that. And while he does adopt his perspective a little bit and he is challenged by it, it's, it's that belief being the right one that, you know, gets him through it. And then, you know, his foil, mm-hmm. Iron Man, someone who was very flawed at the start of his story and who changed yeah. a lot to overcome his, you know, his shortcomings and, and things like that. Coming ego and all that. Yes, yeah. but in the Savage Books video, uh, he he references a book. He cites a book. It's called Save the Cat by Blake Snyder. And it's essential for protagonists, and I think antiheroes especially, um, that in any story with them, there needs to be a moment where the protagonist proves they are worth rooting for. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the book Save the Cat, as quoted in, in the Savage Books video, How to Write a Terrifying Protagonist. And all those antiheroes you listed, um, you know, you you can think of things that make them want to, you want to root for yeah. them. Like, why would you want to root for someone like John Wick? Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you know, dog. Dog. dog is the, the grounded, <laughs> you know, dog. Yeah, okay, dog. <laughs> you know, humans humans love dogs. Yeah, it's Who doesn't? very simple. So, yeah, great, great. But super um, It's very simple, you know, and then Deadpool, you know, he's got, you know, in, in the movie at least, you know, he's he's got that relationship with you know his his girlfriend and you kind of sympathize with that you understand and then yeah, you a... see him go through you know horrible transformation getting separated from her something to sympathize with <laughs> it's a love and story and then even Jason Todd he's yeah exactly he's a love story Jason Todd has been a robin you know throughout his career with Batman mm-hmm. you know you sympathize with him um in in that regards and then when the Joker comes in he takes him away from Batman and there's again a sympathy towards that character he's been separated from his father figure, uh, Bruce, and yeah, you know, yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely, you know, this is kind of a revenge story, but he's grounded by his, you know, his relationship to yeah. Batman, who we see as a morally upstanding character, and how that relationship exactly. sort of keeps him from going full on villain. It gives him some redeeming mm-hmm. qualities, right? Yeah, his his methods are always tested, yeah, by Batman, and yeah, yeah exactly. So and they're crueler very, than Batman. Yeah, so he is an antihero. He's less than heroic. He kills people. He yeah. sort of becomes a crime lord to stop crime. Mm-hmm. It's a flawed outlook, but he's not irredeemable. Yeah. None of those characters are irredeemable. Uh, what is it? I, I you know, because I have too much fucking free time. I watched a video on how many people John Wick kills over the course of his three movies. I'm pretty sure that number is in like <laughs> 280s. And anyone who murders 280 damn. people is probably not a good person. John Wick, I think by most standards, not. wouldn't even be considered a hero. But it's that characterization, it's that development of a reason to root for them. Yeah. In the Savage Books video, he references something called moral justification and emotional justification. And moral justification is usually what a traditional hero would have. That's like, you know, your superheroes. They do things, they're justified in their actions because they're doing it for the, you know, the greater good, the benefit of others, stuff like that. When Iron Man totally, you know, defies uh, international laws and just flies a suit in and starts murdering (laughs) terrorists, is it legal? Not really, no. (laughs) But, uh, you know, he's killing terrorists who are like actively, uh, you know, torturing people and whatnot. That's, you know, he has the moral high ground in that scenario. In John Wick, he literally kills 286 people, but they're 286, you know, mobsters. And he, <laughs> even three movies in on his rampage tirade, people still just think back to the time <laughs> his doggy got kicked and he got beat up. And they're like, yeah, I could see it. <laughs> Stuff yeah, like I that. I sympathize. And hey, you know, he is taking out, you know, mob yeah, people. It's so, not... Yeah, is his methods correct? Probably not, but... You know, he he is sort of doing the right thing in a you know more grotesque he's, way. Yeah, he's doing the in wrong thing for the sometimes. Right but... <laughs> Justice for doggy, <laughs> yeah, eating exactly. up mobsters. Justice for doggo, yeah, and in in a way too, yeah. Even thinking about it, even Kingpin from the Daredevil series, in his own twisted way, he almost seems like he is the antihero because you do kind of sympathize with where he came from mm-hmm. in his background and 
how how he has that relationship with his uh, right hand man Wesley, and there's this weird companionship between them, and then Vanessa and loving her and 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 doing it all for her and just cleaning the city. He thinks he's doing you know what, what's right. Um, the way he's doing it, not not so good, but in his own eyes, he he does feel like he is the hero of his own story. Interesting way to yeah. kind of twist Kingpin into an antihero in this series. But anyways, it, another example. But it's possible to be twisted. It can be done. <laughs> A literal comic book villain is more sympathetic than Marla fucking Grayson. And I think that brings in yeah. the, ne- the next point I wanted to make, which is about perspective. Kingpin is the villain in Daredevil's show because it's from Daredevil's perspective. Kingpin challenges right. Daredevil's, you know... Catholic guilt ass and his his moral beliefs <laughs> and Kingpin being, yeah. you know, the kingpin of crime has more power than Daredevil. Daredevil is a blind guy with fucking batons. Like he's yes. not uh, the kingpin yeah, of crime. He is running the city. Uh, Daredevil's trying to, you know, <laughs> yes. He's one man against the entire city. He's a man you know? against so an army. There's definitely an elevation imbalance, <laughs> so that's what you want in the, you know, your hero story. And yeah, and that so, plays into yeah. those rules of of characterization and conflict. The key the key point of any good story conflict and that involves the hero having something to overcome man versus wild man versus man man versus self those three things um if that movie if there was a show about kingpin that was you know maybe it was tonally like the punisher or something kingpin would definitely be the anti-hero of his own story he's doing the wrong things for what in his you know kind of fucked up perspective are the right reasons uh and while they're not good they're definitely not good things um, what the, what we learn about him and his qualities, it's understandable. It's like a John Wick. They do bad things, but you're like, eh, I guess I could see it. There is none of those yeah. qualities present in I Care A Lot. No. <laughs> in an interview, I, didn't, I don't remember seeing this in a movie, in the film itself. But in an interview, Rosamund Pike talks about her character's motivations. I don't know why I clicked on a link called The Significance of the Vape in I Care A Lot. It was a 20-minute <laughs> long video. <laughs> <laughs> about an interview oh, where Rosamund talk, Pike just talks about her, her character's vaping. Um, she says that her motivation for this is like, it's like some commentary on, on like capitalistic greed. And she said that the character of Marla Grayson used to own a, you know, a, the old mom and pop vape shop. <laughs> she owned a vape store. Oh, and they really? were undercut oh, and, okay. and ruined by, I don't know, I guess some big chain. I don't remember any of that, like in the movie. It just starts out as she's... No, that wasn't mentioned at all. No, it wasn't. It wasn't mentioned at all. I, I, the vape was the, the key to all it this. Was, the vape is the key. Vaping is the key. <laughs> but yeah, the character motivation that we don't even see in the fucking movie is not good enough to justify no, not even what she does. Think. Yeah. And Marla Grayson, oh my God, it's not no. a wrong thing for the right reasons. It's not something that is morally or emotionally justified. She does not have the moral high ground. She is literally taking perfectly capable seniors, exploiting kind of a, a backward system, <laughs> basically indoctrinating, like just inducting them into slavery. She puts them in an elderly home. She, they can't much. leave. They can't see their the families. Hell out of them. <laughs> They're just like drugged and yeah. tormented. There's a, there's a scene in the film where the old mobster lady she has in there is resisting. She goes to the crooked nursing home uh, manager and she's like, you know, downgrade her meals, up her meds, up her workout schedule, turn off her air conditioning. Yeah. She can't talk to us. She's literally like torturing old people for resisting her. But isn't scheme. that sympathetic though? But Yas Queen. But hey, I, I agree. Yeah, you know, her vape shop failed, and so she must torment old people. You know, that's that's the thing. It's like, why? Well, if that was the case, why wasn't that in the film? I don't. I don't understand. know. I don't that think would it would have, have made much a, of a difference. I would have helped somewhat, and more, I, probably not. It wouldn't really have made, but it would, you know, give some type of justification, I guess. But we don't. Yeah, there's. Yeah, no one. Jeez. Again, like you said, Peter Dinklage is maybe the most justified person in here because he's a mobster trying to save his yeah. mommy. <laughs> But the movie does such a good job of establishing no characters as likable that, like you said, you don't care what happens to either of them. And one of the first scenes with Peter Dinklage to sort of establish his, his you know, his mobster, his, his gangster kind of evil crime lord roots, one of his goons, one of his comic goons walk in and they're like, oh, a fresh set of <laughs> fucking uh, the, the package just arrived. And it's just a picture of like a bunch of human trafficked girls. And you're like, oh, okay, so we have mm. the old person exploiter and the human trafficker going at it. Yep. Who do I want to win? <laughs> Neither of them. <laughs> Who do I want? Who do to I win? want to see come out? Let's serve two evils, Taryn. 
it works. <laughs> a lesser, yeah, lesser of two evils. Somehow, I never thought I'd say that the human trafficker was the lesser of two evils, but here we are. <laughs> but honestly, here we are. Yeah. And goddamn. Again, everything, like you said, everything you saw in the movie was just like a shitty fucking Goodfellas. And the movie is advertised really, yeah. as a dark comedy, but the director, Jake Blakeson. I just don't understand that at all. Yeah, he's. Um, yeah, he's, I'm, I'm even thinking there, there are some scenes too where. You know, I I think the only maybe comedic bits really just come from Peter Dinklage's character. You know, there's there's like this weird donut um, bit where he's like pointing a gun and eating a donut at the at one of his goons for, you know, and he's just like pissed off at the information about his mom getting abducted by this <laughs> con girl. Um, you know, and I, I don't know if that was supposed to be played as a comedic bit. I saw it as like a dark, sinister Joker moment, like with the pencil. Um, I I don't know. It just wasn't played was, off yeah, in a to kind of establish his disregard yeah. for human life. Like he'll eat a donut and kill exactly. you and not blink twice. I don't exactly. know. If it was that was just to be a funny. total Dark Knight moment right there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was a comedy bit and maybe. I mean, sorry, no offense to Peter Dinklage, but him being you know at his height is that supposed to also be a gag? I don't. Ha <laughs> ha! Short guy eat donut and murder person. This is movie is profound. Very, very funny. <laughs> wow. Uh. <laughs> yeah, which neither character is likable. And back to the topic of perspective, like we said, Kingpin from his own viewpoint would be a hero. Um, Daredevil is definitely the hero of his own movie. And so I feel like a shift in mm-hmm. perspective may have made the movie better. I don't know if it focused on the wrong person. In an yeah, interview, I think it was maybe, maybe it did. I think it did with Alexi. I think that he should have been the main character. It was I don't know. Yeah. He just he seems like the protagonist in this sense. I don't I don't know. If it was if as as protagonist as you can get. Uh, yeah, as, I don't know how to get. Um, for a movie that is supposed to draw attention to senior abuse, um, there's one senior in it, and it's a human trafficker's mother. Uh, <laughs> I feel like if anyone should have been yeah. the main character, it should have been her. If it was mobster granny versus rosamund pike if rosamund pike's character if everything she was stayed exactly the same and we just shifted perspectives to someone else to make her the villain on the on the grandma it might have worked better about that yeah because she's brushed aside as more of a side character uh i don't know yeah and that could be a part of you know her her journey if say she was the protagonist it could be like a taken where she's more dangerous than the the antagonist believe them to be that's true I would much rather watch a movie about a retired, you know, gangster woman being, uh, you know, yeah. caught up in this scheme of Marla Grayson's and, and put through, you know, a lot of senior abuse. First of all, we'd get to see that that experience firsthand be a bit more of, a, you know, of like a kick in the teeth for audiences who don't really know anything about about that, about that kind of dark side of, yeah. of elder care and whatnot. Uh, in an interview, Rosamund Pike said, they made the perspective Marla Grayson because they didn't want to do that, so they just kind of pussied out of that <laughs> for the sake of for the <laughs> sake of that character. That's the character we got instead, and made Rosamund Pike the villain. So a change in perspective could have made it better, or a change in characterization in Marla Grayson. And there are two movies that came to mind for me. I guess I suppose three. The first one was John Wick, like we talked about, where you make give something, mm-hmm. you know, make her empathetic in some way. Make us care about her. I think the first step to that would be not making her uh, exploit helpless seniors. <laughs> Have like some kind yeah, of other that would scam. would be a good first step. <laughs> uh, or yeah. it could be like an uncut gems. Um, so first option, mm-hmm. you know, we make it like a John Wick. She is this unstoppable force that she is in this movie. Um, but, you know, you give a reason to want her to win. Or we make it like uncut gems. Howie mm-hmm. and uncut gems, a movie that we reviewed, um, was it December? Like end of December? I think. Yeah. Or November? I don't know. Whenever it was. Or January, I think. Gen- yeah. Something. something like uh, one of our earlier movie reviews was Uncut Gems. It was about a, a jeweler um, and a, like a gambling addict who is very self-destructive in his greedy pursuits to, you know, kind of hustle this this opal and get it, squeeze as much money out of it as he can. And in the process, we just see what his lifestyle does to him. And Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler's character of how he cops L after L for like an hour and a half. And he's not very empathetic. Yeah. He, but his actions, no, no. 
only hurt him, really. The only person we see suffer from his actions is him. It kind of tears his family apart. Um, but we see, you know, yeah. his wife and his son without him are much better off. Like, they've they've seen it. So making Marla a character like that, an underdog character. Yeah, an underdog. And, and also the humor added to, to, yeah. to his character and making him likable as well. And in this, it was supposed to be comedic. I don't know what's comedic about this. It fell flat on his face. <laughs> yeah, his own flaws are played for laughs. We see him, you know, just get beat down constantly. And it's no one's fault but his own. <laughs> and you want the character right. arc to be, you just want him to win. You want him to change is what you want him to do. You want him to change so they can win. And he never changes during the movie. No. Um, but you're so invested and He never now. gets a chance to. <laughs> You've never seen him, you know, win at anything. And now at the end of that movie, he's so close. He's made that bet and it just might work. Yeah, and you're... And at that point, you're just invested because... you're just the on the edge of your seat. You're like, wait a minute. He's actually going to fucking pull it off. And that's it. That's yeah. Because, you know, the tone, the pacing of that movie was also tightly crafted. That even an unlikable character like Howie could be sympathized for just on account of, you know... He's just been so beat down and taken so many L's that you want him to win just so he can have something. Maybe he'll learn from that. He obviously doesn't learn from yeah. from losing. <laughs> maybe he'll it learn from yeah, winning. losing. Yeah, maybe maybe it will change when, once he gets that golden ticket. Yeah. So making Marla Grayson an underdog, which I say we I want to change her to that because in this movie she's like overpowered as fuck. <laughs> she does not lose. <laughs> she is. She's already overpowered. She's already elevated. Yeah. That's another problem, her, right? With the the whole you know uh, antagonist mm-hmm. Her. archetype you you want them to you know you want the protagonist to be a little imbalanced you know she's she needs to have somewhere to work her way up and she's already at the top i mean she <laughs> is uh you know in a way a con man boss mob boss herself she's like she's a con uh, and Ooh. it's like where where does she where does she need to go <laughs> after, you know where does she need to go in the story she doesn't need to go anywhere she's already won she's already she has the power you know, yes. it's like, okay, it's, and that sure brings the power me, influence just as much as Alexi does. So it's like, okay. That brings me to my third example of a way this movie didn't work. And that is, like you said, she already has everything she needs. The movie establishes her as like a force to be reckoned mm-hmm. with, a figure, um, you know, who has already achieved things. They know what they're doing. If they want to win in their current setting, they don't need to change at all because they already are winning. And have you seen the movie War Dogs? Had Jonah Hill... And no. Miles That's Teller. That's with Jonah Hill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was about the gun runners who got this crazy big U.S. Army contract for I think it was like the Iraq War or something, and you know they're kind of scamming them. They're they're hustling a bit, um. But it was like a big fish in a little pond type scenario, and that's what I thought this movie was going to do mm. with Marla Grayson. Yeah. Is that you know she's used to scamming old people. She has her thing. She has her setting. She's comfortable. And then when she picks the wrong old person, that's when she's like, oh fuck, I, I'm gonna have to change if I want to do. You know, if I want to make it out of this, because she's, you know, she's There's not scamming entire network. Yeah, this know, is above a me. whole nother <laughs> level. This ain't just old people scamming. This ain't just, oh my gosh, this is a Russian mob. It's a fucking Russian what? mob. <laughs> you know? This isn't, you know, bribing doctors and, and you know, sweet talking judges. She's, she's no. going to have to like fight for her life now. Yeah, but it's not. Again, it's interesting. <laughs> a very but, interesting yeah. premise, but it's just not actualized because Marla as a character is never threatened by the mafia. She never changes her perspective, no. her attitude to adapt to that. Never. She is so she is defiant she as hell is, the entire time. Yeah. Even even her girlfriend is like, no, no, don't. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to back away from. And this. Marla like, nah, is <laughs> almost like psychotically sure of herself in this movie. And yeah. <laughs> if there were consequences to that, it would have been a much better movie. Or if it was like War Dogs, yeah. where if it was the dark comedy that it was supposed to be. And it was kind of this, you know, senior abuser versus human trafficker, scorched earth, you know, pride driven death battle. Uh, make it kind of that that underdog scenario, that little that big fish in a little pond scenario. Yeah. The characters of war dogs, right. the gun runners, they're not good people. You know, they're greedy. They they were literally like war profiteers. But the, the <laughs> comedy of that movie and the, the interest in the character is that they, too, were underdogs. They are in way over their heads they have no idea what they're doing they're just like bumbling around trying to make it work getting themselves into some shit and just trying to wing it you know yeah and that was where right you know and and that would have been interesting well and and actually this movie does end where she does get to the top (laughs) 
for some reason, the the movie rewards her with an even more elevated position. Yep, exactly. That's... Uh, with the Russian mob. <laughs> he, you know, she gets invited by Alexei to join the mob. And I, I feel like we're just missing a big middle chunk of mm-hmm. her struggling through that and to get to that status. So that would have been, yeah. I, again, I, I like, I kind of like that idea of like, yeah, Alexei is actually enamored by how ambitious, you know, she is. And that's what kind of saves her at the end is her ambition, her like false sense of ambition and, and pride. Fake it till you make it. Exactly. But we just don't see her struggle. We don't you know, see the that. Entire time. And there's no <laughs> or reason. anything. We don't see any heroes, <laughs> you know, climb. She doesn't have to change or struggle at all, which makes no. the mob like both a worse antagonist and her a worse protagonist. It's not like John yeah. Wick. You have a reason to empathize with them. And they are a force more powerful than this army of mobsters. But you want them to win anyway because you want the mob to lose. <laughs> it doesn't matter what bad things they do. You just want to see <laughs> Theon Greyjoy get his ass kicked because he beat up that puppy. Yeah, um, exactly. And while the movie goes out of its way to establish Peter Dinklage as, you know, a bad guy, uh, it never gives us a reason to root for Marla. Marla is maybe the most unlikable protagonist no. I've ever seen. Her justifications for all of the terrible things that she does aren't to stop human trafficker Peter Dinklage. Uh, <laughs> She just, you know, it's out of spite, really, because he fucked with her back yeah. after she kidnapped his mother and stole all of her Right, he money. bought back. She is a villain. She, she is, is a, a villain. true That's and what true villains do. villain. It's just like what Kingpin would do. Like, if, if Kingpin got, you mm-hmm. know, his ass beat by Daredevil, he's going to bite back even more ferociously. And that's exactly what she does. And it's just weird. It is I just weird. You, is. you never... I don't, I don't know the story. I don't understand the story. This is just weird. My favorite reviews <laughs> of this movie are the positive ones. Have you have you read, like, the reviews? This movie gets shit on a lot. I, I saw that it... Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it, like, what, 80%? The is that what I saw? audience score is 33%. Audiences hate this movie. The critic score is like, yeah, 80%. <laughs> and all of, all of the positive reviews I can't believe of this movie are like Rosalind Pike, Yas Queen, Stick It to the Patriarchy, <laughs> which is... Stick It to the Patriarchy, right. Yes, Sticking It to the Patriarchy is a big part of this movie. We didn't talk about it. And Isaac, I'm going to ask you to do something I've never asked you to do before. And I'm going to ask a lot of myself as well. We're going to need to wrap our feeble male monkey brains around the concept of a strong (laughs) female character. Do you think you can do this? I don't I don't know, Taryn. I I don't I don't think I'm mentally capable. I'm just thinking about it makes me want to just go downstairs and too much estrogen. My wife (laughs) after watching this, (laughs) because as Marla Grayson says, uh. A man makes threats when he's intimidated by a powerful woman. This is like a quote in the movie. (laughs) Men make threats when they can't get women to do what they want. And this is in response to two scenes. She is the lioness. I am a fucking lioness. And I wouldn't mind any of this characterization of Marla Grayson if she wasn't the protagonist. If she was a villain, she'd be a great villain. She'd be like a Ramsay Bolton, like a Joffrey. Mm. She'd be the kind of person you just love to hate. You want to see their downfall. You want to see them get just fucking ruined which you already do anyways watching this film but yes uh, you would just <laughs> she's not a protagonist and her justifications for making her no. character the protagonist are not very good at all uh in an interview with no no uh i forget what it was it was on the kelly clarkson show rosamund pike says that um the goal of, of marla grayson's character is to show that there let me pull the quote here there are no good people or bad people um we're only what we're driven to do which I got like some really weird The Killing Joke vibes from that quote. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, some fucking just, just one bad so. day. <laughs> <laughs> just one bad one day. One bad day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I didn't really believe that at all because Martha Grayson is just a terrible person. No, <laughs> I think anyone yeah, would really do this. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of Marla Grayson's motivations are sticking it to the man, that filthy white man. Yeah, uh, all of the men. Which again would have would have uh, worked really well if she was sympathetic. If yeah, I, I I mean you know maybe if she was sympathetic or just the villain. Are we supposed to sympathize because she? I don't know. Is is it because of her sexuality or I, like how are we supposed to? I don't know. I, I don't know. That's that's what confuses me. The character. Like there's just the representation in this of like female empowerment 
and you know uh, sexuality. I, I just I I think it disservices it. I think are those the... like I I don't mind you know <laughs> if if that's what you if you if that's the message you want to tell with your movie, great. But like you did not empower it. At all. No you one's empowered by this. Maybe unlikable character. Maybe a few sociopaths. Is that what the movie wanted to be? Her redeeming qualities was the movie written by Tumblr. For those who don't know, Marla Grayson is a, a very <laughs> uh, confrontational, successful vaping lesbian. Um, so that's all those boxes checkmarked. I don't know if just those qualities yeah, right, alone yeah. are enough to make her like a good person. Because what's the movie saying with that? Is it saying like any any atrocity is justified if it's in the name of sticking it to the white man? Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're doing that, like, I don't know. It's just, it, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And and in a way, I was just confused at the end of the movie. I, I was confused between what that statement was. Was it supposed to be an empowering statement or was it actually like a, I don't know, like a, a parody or like a... That's what were, I were they was making confused fun about. Of it, Is you that... know? I was just like, huh. Because the movie's not I funny. I was confused. I And I still can't... I still can't under like figure that out. Uh, maybe Even it's just because now we're, I'm like I don't know what they wanted to do. We're weak-minded that. men, Isaac. <laughs> can't really explain it. I I guess so. I guess we can't really comprehend. What a lot of people <laughs> describe as the best scene in the movie is followed by what is described as the worst scene in the movie. The best scene is a scene between mm. um, Rosamund Pike's character of Marla Grayson and what's his fucking name? Chris Messina. He plays Dean Erickson. He is the mob boss, Alexi's lawyer. Uh, and he is the first person mm-hmm. to approach Marla and where we start to get a hint that uh, Jennifer, the old lady who she has just put in a home, is more than she is more than she seems. He's like, I respect the, the hustle. You know, I see what you're doing here. Look at all those cash cows you got soaking money. Nice job. But Jennifer off limits. <laughs> She's connected to powerful people. And he's doing, you know, the lawyer speech, the the veiled threats, the bribery, the, mm-hmm. you know, the threats of... um. Yeah. Take it into court. Suing. Which another great performance. Yeah. He was kind of a funny, sleazy lawyer. Yeah, he was like lawyer. the stereotype. <laughs> it was a good performance. Lawyer, you know, sleazy corporate lawyer. That was him. And, you know, she just brushes him aside. She's like, yeah, whatever. You're not going to do anything for me. I'm never going to let Jennifer go. And he's like, okay, um, heads up. I work for a mob boss and it literally break your legs and kill your family. So maybe take my bribe. And she's like, no, <laughs> you're only threatening me because you're a stupid man. <laughs> And you only make threats <laughs> to get women to do what you want. But guess what? It won't work on me. And he's like, I'm I'm making threats because I work for the mafia. But okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the best scene in the movie is their, their you know, talk. Because bo- both great performances. Um, and that's when the plot starts to amp up a little. And the worst scene is after that when Marla Grayson's talking to, like, her girlfriend about it. And that's when she says, I'll, like, you know, she's, she's just the man threatens women when they when they don't get what they want. But we are strong women. We vape. He can't hurt us. We vape. We vape. Girls who vape. And so (laughs) that was where both the best reviews (laughs) and the worst reviews of this movie come from. If you look on, you know, fucking BuzzFeed reviews, it's like, you know, this movie is a yes queen empowering spectacle of empowerment and and hot vaping lesbians. And then you go on uh, anywhere else and it's like... um, Vaping, vaping, being a vaping lesbian does not justify senior abuse. Does not justify. And I are you are you making fun of it? I care a lot. I, I, don't, I don't. I know. don't know. I, I just. I don't understand. Is it? I just don't know. I feel like they're just like a step to the left of everything that would have made this a good movie, and that made it a really bad movie. If they were, you know, a little off kilter. Yeah, it on... weirdly misses everything. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's, everything. It is a weird compilation. I... Of multiple multiple genres. Yeah. It's so jarring. I, <laughs> I just don't understand. My She's like as tenacious as John Wick, but without the skills to back it up, really. She says she's a lioness, but really she exploits old people. And in that uh, Savage Books video where it talks about how to make a terrifying antagonist, if your villain fears the antagonist the villain would also have to be scary for the antagonist to therefore be scarier otherwise they both just look weak and the villains in this movie mm-hmm. the mafia dude they fucking suck <laughs> they're like cartoonish idiots they really do they suck at their job they fail to break yeah, the they, lady they out of it turns into like looney tunes they're like looney tunes bad yeah 
yeah, there was that weird propane tank thing. It was like weird, like cartoony physics. And again, I don't know. Yeah, I, that must have been that must have supposed to have been a comedy bit to add to the dark humor. <laughs> but again, totally misses the mark because it looks like a, I don't know, like those scenes just they're they're raw, they're filmed raw. Mm-hmm. There's people are getting shot, you know, in the leg and like very unconventional places. You know, it's just it feels like you know like a, Tar- <laughs> or like a Cohen brother, maybe Tarantino. Of like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of like that kind of brutal violence, I guess. And again, just doesn't fit the dark humor again. It's just like, it's weird. And it's weirdly shot in a way that it just, yeah, feels like, mm-hmm. I don't know. In some interviews, Blakeson, the director and writer of this movie, uh, he says he takes a lot of inspiration from the Coen brothers. Uh, I guess it's seen the most in his, oh, okay. the, the disappearance of Alice, where it's like that kind of dark, gritty, realistic tone, which if the Coen brothers made this movie, it would have uh-huh. been so much fucking better. <laughs> but I could see that, you know, sort of like a dissection of a not so talked about issue, senior abuse um, and some yeah, yeah. morally ambiguous characters we saw in his, you know, we we talked about No Country for Old Men, our third podcast episode and how, you know, even a flawed person like Llewellyn Moss, who his initial driving force for the film was just greed. He found some some cartel right. money and he's like, OK, I'll take that. And, you know, how Anton Chigurh was a good antagonist because he's a lot scarier than Llewellyn Moss. And Marla Grayson isn't, you know, she's not scary like John Wick. She doesn't, because she doesn't have to challenge herself. She doesn't face consequences for her actions. It's sort of the third act of the film when Marla Grayson should be learning something about her actions, facing any consequences whatsoever. Her and her girlfriend get kidnapped by the mafia boss and the corrupt doctor that they're working with gets murdered. So the mafia boss, you know, Alexi, he murders the doctor, kidnaps her girlfriend and knocks her out. And then he leaves the stove on to like blow her up to make it look like like an accident. And he very, very conveniently timed things. But yes. (laughs) And he, you know, he takes Marla. He kidnaps her so he could talk to her. And she just brushes him off like he's nothing. Like, bitch, you were literally tied up in the middle of fucking nowhere, surrounded by the mob. And I don't know. I've, they were going to kill you. They were going to kill you. And she doesn't. Br- she just brushes it off. I'm pretty sure she's like a narcissistic sociopath. She has to be immune to emotions. I still wouldn't have minded it. If that was the case, I still wouldn't have minded if she had alternate consequences. If she's not scared of the mob, if this is like a scorched yeah. earth villain versus villain, mono e mono showdown, that could have been interesting. It would have been more interesting than what we got. Yeah. But... Have Marla suffer right. other consequences. Maybe her, her, you know, her grift and her war with this this mafia boss. Maybe that strains her relationship with her girlfriend. Maybe she runs out of vape juice. Maybe <laughs> the courts start to catch on to what she's doing. It's in every facet of Marla's life. She succeeds absolutely. And so there's no reason to, you know, root for her. There's no reason for her to change. Can imagine just like a John Wick scene where, yeah, she gets <laughs> invaded by a bunch of the mob members and then she looks over and her favorite vape is just like, t- you know, torn to pieces. <laughs> it's like the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 where Star Lord's dad like breaks his Walkman <laughs> and then he freaks yeah. out <laughs> and they just rumble. It goes, goes ballistic. It's like that. Her girlfriend gets murdered in front of her, doesn't care. Her vape gets broken. And then it's just all hell breaks loose. <laughs> Again, the vape is the key. The to vape all is the key. Words of George Lucas. Yeah. Um. But you know what? Why not? Let's let's just have some you know vaping lesbians stick it to the boomers, stick, stick it, it to the to those patriarch, and be super unlikable because they're scamming elderly people. Scamming elderly people. Yeah. And again, and the movie making fun of that concept. <laughs> The movie makes every attempt to tell you that Marla Grayson is the hero. It's like some, you know, so she's like this Robin Hood, you know, she's playing this corrupt system to to win in a world <laughs> where women can't win. Every man she goes up against is like comically foolish. The man in the first courtroom scene, yeah. he's like a random, you know, side character. He's trying to get his mother out of the care home. Because she's he's been barred from talking to her and she's literally dying. Like, of course this guy's gonna be pissed, but he's just yeah. he's portrayed as like kind of this. He's like just like some sweaty fat dude, not very articulate. Uh, Marla <laughs> shits all over him in court, and then he confronts her outside. He's like, "You're literally the worst fucking person I've ever seen. You kidnapped my mother. I can't see her. She's gonna die alone without me." And then he spits on Marla, 
<laughs> while Jesus roasts him into the <laughs> ground. He has nothing to say about it afterwards. He's just completely yeah. stunned. Which at this moment too, I thought I thought he was gonna be the main protagonist. I thought he would be the villain. And then she was gonna be the villain. I really I, I thought at that moment. I was like, oh cool. And then I was like, oh wait a minute, this is all on her. Like what? Yes. This follows her. He's much more what? protagonist. He's just some <laughs> dude trying to like get his mom out of the scammer's clutches. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he and you know, and then he he ends up. I I like the full circle thing. We're bringing it. You know, he he kind of he is. is yes. The, you know, spoiler alert. Spoiler he's, alert. He is what kills her in the end. Yes. Um. After a little full circle, that was nice. Um. Finally, getting her comeuppance. How would you would you say that was a satisfying conclusion? Marla's quote unquote comeuppance. Oh, absolutely! I loved it. You did. I loved that conclusion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hated her. I hated, I hated her. her. I wanted her. To... <laughs> I was fine with her getting shot by the dude she wronged right at the beginning of the movie because you know what? Yeah, good. Hmm. Good for that guy. I found it less than because this movie makes no sense. Less than enough. So I at that point I was like, good. I let's, should say. let's end her uh, her story. There are so many missed opportunities for you know the character to grow or the character to to at least have some sort of consequence for her action the only one is that she's she's shot to death on the street and like the final two minutes of the movie final one minute even she is achieved yeah. like crazy success even there's a little montage she's on like the fucking forbes 40 she's going on like interviews and shit uh and stuff like that like stupid dummy rich now everything she does leads you to be stupid rich and so what, is, what then is the lesson of the movie? That everything she's done is okay, maybe hire a security detail? Is that it? <laughs> is that all you got to do? <laughs> maybe get like, maybe get a fucking bodyguard? <laughs> you just can't get shot on the yeah. street? I don't know. I, I, and it's, it's, it's played like tragic. Like this was a tragic death. Like this guy yeah, is the yeah. villain. It's even a montage and another monologue. Yeah, yeah. It was another, like, I don't know, like an internal monologue about her life and her life reflection. Like, we're supposed to care. She's like, fuck yeah, I am so cool. (laughs) I am so awesome. Everything I've done is justified. (laughs) Fuck you, white man. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. I was like, good. Silence her. Silence. At that point, I gave up on the movie. So I was just like, something needs to end this. So I was like, great, cool. Honestly, she is the villain. So that's, I. I th- I think I think really that guy was the hidden protagonist, the hidden protagonist throughout, the throughout. Movie. He just didn't have enough screen time. He was he was maybe the, hero. the hidden anti-hero. <gasps> a hidden anti-hero. Hidden anti-hero. There, there's the Holy anti-hero. Shit. Oh, oh my god, it all it, makes it sense. escaped us Holy all along, Taryn. Oh. We 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 figured oh, we it out. Figured oh it my out. god. Oh my god. I'm gonna it's go him. vape now. He's the key to the all key. this. It's not the vape. It's the it's it's that guy, the sweaty dude. Sweaty. He's the key fat to all guy. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, but that's that's I care a lot. Not a good movie. Terrible, terrible, that's, terrible protagonist. That is I care a lot. That's the thing. Uh Netflix. What is Netflix doing? Not sure. They're unlikable characters. Yeah. Sierra Burgess. I, I swear, this is a compilation of a villain origin stories. I mean, this is like the MCU. We're getting through all the characters' origins we're first up. and then the Legion we're of establishing Doom. We're setting it up for the Legion of Burgess. Burgess. I, I don't know. Uh, something's happening in Netflix. I, I, I can feel it. Uh, if you haven't seen our, <laughs> our Sierra Burgess is a Loser review, uh, go listen to that. It's called The Boys Get Catfished. It always comes back to Burgess. Sierra Burgess. <laughs> yeah. I, Isaac, are you sure you're not just calling all of these female characters in movies where they're definitely the villain, but the movie doesn't tell you that they're the villain? Are you calling them, you know, nefarious because you know they're poorly written to be so or you're doing so because uh of uh the patriarchy uh you know what let's not lie here it's because of the patriarchy. yeah obviously because right? of the patriarchy <laughs> these fucking... back our, to the kitchen feeble... thanks <laughs> you can't... you fucking vape me up some dinner if you don't mind <laughs> that's our review of the movie Uh, this movie's bad because it's a woman in charge we don't like that no thank you we don't like that i don't like that at all Uh, disgusting (laughs) all right well if you'll excuse me i have some domestic violence to engage in after this episode 
This movie's triggered me. So I'll catch you guys later. <laughs> See. Uh, female empowerment. I'll be, Bye. Yeah. <laughs> As if. Howdy, y'all. This is Terran, a.k.a. The Bad. Thank you for tuning in to our new program. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't get dysentery. Now, everybody pretend that I rode off into the sunset. Bye now.